Hello, everybody. Welcome to East West Draftcast, the best thing. I don't know. I'm always bad at this thing. I, I, it's really great, guys. <laughs> I hope you're excited. Uh, <laughs> the show's better than the intro. That's very true. This is Jeff, <laughs> one of your hosts. Uh, unfortunately, the regular co-host, Greg, not here for a second time in a row. Um, but he has good reason to. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but the voice you just heard is Ryan Hogan. How you doing, Ryan? Doing great, as always, man. Always good to be here. Awesome. And uh, we actually have a third this time. And this person, you've never been on the cast before, right, Jace? Nope. Never been on the cast. This is my brother, Jason. Say hello, Jason. Hello, everybody. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, and we are here. We're going to talk about uh, a couple things today. First, we're going to tell you why Greg is not here. Second, we're going to talk about Theros and our experiences with it so far, um, minimal though they may be for some of us, and um, do a couple pickle cards. And then we, we what we want to talk about today is the speed of play, um, meaning playing like just how fast you play, uh, whether you're a fast player or a slow player, why it would be good to do either of those and maybe when to switch it up or uh, tips on how to play faster or slower, depending on your situation. Um, but yeah, so started off, where's Greg? Greg is, Greg? Greg is in Oklahoma City. What the hell's happening in Oklahoma City? Well, for those of you that are a bunch of idiots, <laughs> there's a Grand Prix there. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Uh, and yeah, Greg Greg was playing there with our buddy John as well, um, who hopefully will be on the podcast soon. Uh, and uh, yeah, they had a good time. And uh, this is Sunday evening. Top 8 is actually happening currently. Unfortunately, Greg is not in it. But um, he did uh, respectably well. Uh, he made day 2 on a 7-2 day 1. Um couple bumps in the road and to make the top eight yeah it's tough he he has to get close to just winning out at that point but um and he did not do that (laughs) (laughs) so close but uh no he i i mean truthfully uh i'm not sure how many times greg drafted do you know once is that before beforehand yeah it's uh only one time which makes his performance all the more miraculous. And only one evening of uh, of doing sealed. And just cracked a couple sealed pools, looked at them, tried to do some deck building, asked some people for advice, and that was that was his experience going into it. But he's a master, so some people just are that good at the game, and all the basic philosophies held true in the format. And I'm sure that Greg, as always, played perfectly, and uh, yeah, took the lessons for decades of playing the game. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't think he did play perfectly because I got a text message <laughs> saying he really punted one game. But, <laughs> <laughs> and he's under the bus. <laughs> uh, oh man, nobody can play perfectly in a two-day tournament. But uh, but he did great. I mean, like you said, he barely had any experience with it. Uh, I checked his place out. By the end, he he made 98th place, so out of the money, but very respectable. Yeah, uh, top 100. So. And he dropped before the last round and noticed like right where the cutoff was on if he had gotten one more win out of it, which would have been 
three and three on day two. So uh, yeah, thirty points. I believe the uh, the cutoff was thirty one points for money. Like the sixty fourth person had thirty one points, and the sixty fifth person had thirty. Right. And not knowing the change to the GP's prize structure, if he would have uh, if payment goes down further from there, but I don't believe it did given the size of OKC, which is like a thousand to eleven hundred people. Yeah, about eleven hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, he had to, he had to drop. I think he had to catch his flight. Is that right, or or was he just uh, done? Do you know? Uh, I think it was that he had to catch a flight, and that they could have moved it back depending on how late the tournament was going, sure, and how much money he could have got. But you know, with the payouts of GPS, I'm sure he was breaking down the math as to how much it would cost to change his flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And how much more he could potentially make by just, potentially winning another round. So yeah. probably flying southwest. Right. They, they change easy. That's true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so he did great. Uh, he'll, he'll be on next, next time to talk about it, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Proud of the guy, even though he didn't, uh, he didn't win the GP like I asked him to. <laughs> he did very, very respectably. And, uh, our, our buddy John didn't end up making day two, but, but he also had a respectable record in, uh, five, two and one, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. that was my record from Vegas. And I'm really pissed about it, <laughs> but because <laughs> it was really 701. Let's yeah. be fair. <laughs> my my deck could have easily done that, but unfortunately, yeah. Oh well, I blew it. Anyway, um, so that's Greg. He'll be on next time. Uh, um, another thing that I I'd like to say is we have not been podcasting very often, as I'm sure those of you who have have still been hanging on to our podcast probably realize um we're gonna make a concerted effort to change that uh we're gonna try to be putting out episodes every week now um and we're going to not necessarily it's not necessarily going to be me and greg every week um we're gonna be still be the main hosts of the show but uh obviously greg's gone this weekend so i have ryan and jason on but uh in future weeks i might not be there i mean obviously we've been doing this a little bit um, in the recent past, but we're going to be doing it more probably. And, um, we're just going to have a schedule and actually get a show out, uh, every week, hopefully. So for those of you who like us and <laughs> listen to us, hopefully that's a, a good thing for you. And, um, yeah, cause it's, I, I can't imagine that most, a, a lot of our listeners have, uh, lost interest at this point because, <laughs> We put out a podcast like once every three, maybe four weeks. So it's it, we're going to make an effort, and uh, hopefully we'll get some new listeners out of it. And as well, people will just enjoy the consistency more. I know I enjoy consistent podcasts. So with that said, I'll let you guys talk for a little bit. Uh, so what do you think of Theros? Jace, do you want to go first on this? Sure. I, I'm having a lot of trouble with it. But this isn't surprising. Uh, I represent all of you listeners out there who are who are struggling to uh, to be a decent limited player. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've definitely had I, I've played more than I I normally do uh, because of this coming up to this podcast. But um, I've played five. I've, I've drafted five times and uh, and pre-released. And man, I am mostly a one-two drafter right now, and it's been rough. It's been real rough. Um, what's been killing me is thing is is things like ordeals 
this this I'm expecting this this draft format to be slower than it turns out to be with mm-hmm. the the decks I've been playing. That I'm expecting like I can build uh you know a, a blue red tempo deck and it's going to work out pretty well or blue black or something like that and with those high costing removal and and that's going to be okay and then someone throws down you know a one drop or a two drop and then throws an ordeal on it and by the time I'm able to field a defense at all uh they're they've already got somebody something that's four or five and either they're you know they have thirty life or cards <laughs> or something is something is not gone well for me and it's uh like the last the last draft i played uh the both of the two games i don't know may, i i think this is a fluke but like so in the first round the two games i played it was the uh, that one two one drop in in white that's heroic that prevents all damage to itself when it yeah. and gets plus one plus one counter and then an ordeal on top of it um, and it's just like can't deal and and the guy in both games put it down with like a bunch of one costing uh, you know target target creature spells mm-hmm. so it was like no way to he kill just went this all in on it yeah. he just went all in on it and managed to get it every game. Um, and, and then the next guy I played did that the first game, put the same thing down, turn two and ordeal <laughs> on top. And wow. it was just like, okay, I don't understand. I, I feel like that's not, cause it's an uncommon They're anyway. They're both uncommons or, yeah. or deals and that creature. That's interesting. So I feel like it couldn't work out. And they were both in both games. It was, it was a white, black, white, black. So Weird. I don't get it, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm getting, and I, and it's been other drafts that ordeals have beat the shit out of me. Um, those cards are stronger than I anticipated for sure. And it's when uh, they're played, right? When played it's, early. It's all I mean, about case, being played early. It's all about, yeah. I mean, like a late game ordeal doesn't really matter. Like if you, if I've got two cards in hand and you make me discard them, that sucks. Uh, or, but like the, the, the plus one plus one counters aren't as big of a deal as they are when you're putting it on second turn and creating a two three and then a three four and then a four five. Yeah. You know, that's absurd. Yeah, I mean, and on that guy, the the one you mentioned, it's not a two three. It's a three. It's, he's attacking on turn two for three damage. Right. Yeah. And, and then the yeah, next one, turn, two, the ordeal goes. goes off right away. It, it only takes two turns. Yeah. 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 So they get that big ability real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy to to get an ordeal on. Yeah. So that, that reminds me of. But even even like a you know a three drop uh, flyer, three drop flyer is a oh, difficult yeah. thing to deal with when you know a three drop flyer with two power and two toughness usually. Um, mm-hmm. You put an ordeal on it the next turn when it attacks, and like at turn, at you know you're potentially after your turn three, you can't deal with a three three flyer. Totally. And and the the uh, the spells in the set, there's only a couple of spells that most of the the direct or the the damaging spells are you know you know toughness specific. So it's like you know either you're you're hitting them with uh, something that does three damage or two damage or uh, something that's doing minus four, minus four. There's very little in, especially in the early drops, that you could actually do that just kill creatures outright. Yeah. So it's it's tough. I think that the ordeals are, especially early, are very strong. Other than that, like I don't know. I mean, I can tell you some bad archetypes. <laughs> <laughs> probably well, red white. If I've been going one too, that's like probably more of a reflection on the strength of red white rather than your I understanding of the I format. I haven't red white at all. I, I, Ryan, I'm going totally against what I usually do. Not red, white, not once. Wow. But, uh, red, but you black. you tried every time, goddammit. Red, <laughs> black got me a 2-1. My only 2-1 in draft. 
and then the rest of them in one twos. And red black, I did again with a, like a heavy minotaur uh, influence. A one two, solid one two. <laughs> solid. <laughs> Just the... with red black, you need you definitely need like the removal and things like that to support it. Yeah, well, so you bring up yeah. a good point with the ordeals being good and and mentioning removal. The removal is way worse than I thought it was, and I thought it was bad. But it's like mm-hmm. impossible to kill things in this set. <laughs> it's like if something hits the board, and I'm like, well, that's sticking around because I don't have a card that kills creatures. It's it's just been yeah, that's that's been the way of it. It seems like a cards like. Um, the uh, just just all the combat tricks are are huge because those are like the only removal spells that are efficient in any way. Any one that you're thinking about in particular? Uh, the well, I've been just just the pump spells generally. The the white one um, has gotten me multiple times. The plus two plus two scry one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that card's great, and I always. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a new format. And for some reason, it's like, I don't think of giant growth type effects in white. Like, I, I play around, like, the protection thing, mm-hmm. which which is God's good. Word. I mean, which is also good. Um, but I don't think to play around plus two, plus two so far. I'm going to start, obviously. Now that you've said it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that one's gotten me twice. Um, and, yeah, just the pump spell. Like, I've got been gotten by one of the, the aura with flash in green. I forget what it's called. Um, uh, the aura with flash, feral invocation. Yeah, yeah, they're solid. Yeah, Very they're solid. all good, and and the ordeals are like like when me and Ryan were were drunkenly talking about the set the last podcast, <laughs> uh, we were not impressed with the ordeals, and um, they're fine. Like I think all of them are fine, and like the red one's good. It's just straight up good. Yeah, the blue one is good. Draw two cards is pretty solid. Yeah, like there's a few that are just like solid cards, which is really surprising because they it just seemed like it would be such a task to trigger them, uh, the third you know for the third counter. But the removal is just so bad that it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's really it's deal or no deal at the earlier at the earlier steps, right? Where you got like you might have the freak is cure the black burn two. Right. Or you might have a Voyager's End and a Lightning Strike, because you're like your two-drop removal spells. Right. But otherwise, you're probably looking at turn four before you're able to deal with something with a Griptide and a Divine Verdict. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah, come turn five, like Jason said, you know, the Burn, or in this case, the, uh, the Lash of the Whip, the minus four, minus four, or the Rage of the Red God, Burn for four, those are just not going to do it. If they yeah. curve out with like oh. a turn two or turn three ordeal and they're on the play, it's and the thing is, is like you're so far back. You're so far back at that point anyway. All right. I mean, if if you've got a, an ordeal in your opening hand with an early drop, I mean, that's that's a great hand. Yeah, for sure. I'm the in the the removal that's like the the five mana four damage spells, the whip and the perforos. Uh-huh. Uh, when I first looked at the set, I read those as five mana kill almost any creature, but they're totally not that. Because no, you no. like by the time you can cast them, you're like, oh, the thing has five toughness. Like because everything gets that big this late in the game, it's just so easy to get things that big, and they just become like a five mana kill your like three mana 
guy that isn't really affecting the board in any way. Great. It's it's bad. <laughs> on that note, though, I, th- I find it very interesting. I've, I've been coming across a lot of dilemmas on whether or not to bestow, mm-hmm. because sometimes you need that extra body on the board. Totally. And and it's it's been I, I really want to say that I like that mechanic. Uh, because I feel like you're making it's more than just like oh if I bestow it costs more sure, but I basically get my body twice. But it's not just that it's like you're also you know I, I've I've really come to appreciate it this this idea of putting something down and whether or not you want to spread your your toughness out and that makes a bigger difference or um, putting it all into a creature that can be easily tapped with the heroic. Uh, blue common guy, you know, the 1-4. Right. That's just, you know, that thing's done work against me for sure. I haven't managed to use it well, but it's done work against me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you um, with the bestow things, the thing that I've been most impressed, um, the, the deck uh, that is, like, really awesome is the one that grabs up as much bestow as it can and and more cheap creatures and on paper it looks like like if you're just looking at the curve you're like oh this is like a low curve fast deck but yeah. it can just switch gears into these like just playing giant monsters because you just get to bestow your guys late in the game and mm-hmm. it's really really powerful and really really consistent and uh that's oh. been the most impressive deck but obviously all the bestow guys are high picks so it's kind of a hard thing to to get enough of them. Do you have a right. highest pick bestow creature at uh let's say common and not include the uncommon guys? A highest pick probably the, yeah. the blue one seems to, yeah yeah, yeah. To be it, it bestows for five versus all the other good ones and yeah. it gets flying. Well, the green one bestows for four. Uh, the reach, the uh, two right. two reach. Re- so okay, he's yeah, a bear two, which is fine. It's, it's a defensive thing. I, Kinda, uh, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe maybe I'm saying too much about my own personal strategy when I say, yeah, it's a defensive thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You actually want more. Want to look at that one more as an offensive thing, like ignore the reach thing and just say. Right. No. Just putting plus two plus two down. Exactly. It's it's a bear. To be too. It's a bear as well, which all the others are gray ogres, so that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah it's true. Um. But at the same time, I've found that the green one. Seems to be uh, I, not not the weak not weak but um, it doesn't seem to fit Green's plan quite as well as the other ones fit the other colors' plans. You know what I mean? It's it just feels like Green isn't so much of a like a beatdown deck. Like it's more of a play some early satyrs or something and ramp into some sweet monstrous stuff. Or I really agree with you. Yeah, or just like, I don't know, some other weird beefy things. It does big beefy things and not fast beady things. And that that guy just doesn't fit quite as well. I agree. It kind of reminds me of, you probably don't remember this because you probably avoided it. I think it was M, yeah, M11. Oh, I played Uh, M11. That was where they had infinite fixing and ramp in green. And it's like, a green deck was essentially draft overrun and draft a bunch of fixing and then just take all the best cards. And uh, M11 yeah, was the one with 4C in it, right? They reprinted 4C. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Good times. <laughs> Very good times. Uh, but yeah. 
I'm completely with you. Green is not nearly as aggressive as it typically is. But their heroic creatures are just so poor, yeah. you know, on their own, right? Where all the other heroic creatures, maybe it's a reasonable power and toughness, and you get some extra incentive. Not all the other ones, I should say. Some. But the green ones are so far below the curve as a four-drop 2-2. Two -two. Yeah, you have to target it once for it to do anything. Right. To do anything, yeah. you know? It can block the, the abundant 3-2s in the format, and you can trade it off, but that's... Not, right. <laughs> I'm sure, what you want to be doing with your four-mana, four-drop creature. Yeah, yeah but that can it die really, to anything. Those things really do play so well with all the fight mechanics, though. I mean, time to feed oh, okay. with a heroic creature just goes nuts. But or the green one specifically, but yeah, time to feed. Yeah, sure. or the green, the green one specifically is great, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, those have been impressive. The but that's yeah. I mean, they're they're great with really anything that's going to target it. Right, because getting plus two plus two is where all the white ones are plus one plus one, or phalanx leader is absurd. Mm -hmm. Plus two plus two is significant, so you get so much more value off the off every time you target it. But just to find like good ways to target it, just knowing that's not going to do anything is questionable. Right. Although you get to bluff an awful lot with it, and yeah. you know, like swing your two two into their tapped out board with some bigger creature, or maybe not even tapped out, and you're just really going hard. But uh. <laughs> I say this, and I've like actually done this. I think a total of three times since the uh, the set came out. Done a bunch of drafts online recently, and played a few drafts in person. And uh, I've got my bluff called every time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually had it, so maybe people just know me too well. At this yeah. Point. But, yeah. Yeah. I just I just throw away two twos right and left. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. I I feel like if you did that, have you been playing? Have you been has have it ah, has it been called online? Or... It's been called online once. Yeah, okay. once online. That's kind of surprising, because I feel like online people respect the like the level that people are playing at. You know what I mean? Like they really respect the the like what that they have it pretty much. Most people play that way, it seems. But yeah, maybe it's a, a first week sort of thing, and um, just testing out the know, waters. Someone just doesn't want to play around. <laughs> Any card I can have. Just said I have not one spell in hand. That's a pretty bold call to make when, like, your opponent is, you know, completely untapped with four or five cards in hand. Right. And you're just, like, sure that he's got nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the problem anyway. is, though, when, like, I had in a situation online where I was playing around a spell the whole time. Um, uh, the, the protection, the one white protection spell. And... You know, letting him get in with his guy. So I had a three-two first striker out. He's attacking in with the two threes, and and he's only has like one white open. And I'm like, okay, I know what you have. All that's all good. You can deal me two damage. Um, but then he keeps playing, you know, creatures that he could block my three-two guy with, um, which I really didn't want to lose. So I kept not attacking in with it. And then it turned out like, by the time that I had to like put this guy into combat, he'd done nothing for me, and he just drew out a different trick anyway. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, you know, if I'd made him draw out that trick early, like, maybe it would have been better for me. But, mm -hmm. um, truthfully, the, the other bonus about not letting them play their tricks is that most tricks have scry on them. <laughs> so not letting them scry yeah. early in the game is probably good, too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. Although, maybe earlier in the game, they don't have always the keenest sense as to what might be needed, mm -hmm. as opposed to Maybe. a scry late game where that land is always gone. The scry early on 
they might keep the land like all the time, or they might just keep either side of it. So yeah. Anyway. Um. So, uh, what do you guys think of? Well, let's let me ask each of you a question, which is, what card have you been the most impressed by? Uh, Jason, care to first or? I mean, I think I've I've named a cycle of cards that the I've ordeals. Named. That's fine. Yeah. They've been brutalizing me, so I think I'll stick with that for now. Yeah. What about you? Um, can I choose a rare? <laughs> yeah, totally. Just any awesome. card that's overperformed, in your opinion. Overperformed. Um, the Prophet. The 2 3 blue green Prophet for 5. Oh, God, I played against each that. Each turn card. you untap all your creatures and all your lands, and all your creatures have flash. Like in the deck that I've been drafting with blue green, it's. A bunch of ramp, so get the satyrs and get the hopefully the uh, the acolyte, the green uh, devotion, uncommon. That's one four taps for green for your devotion, and uh, yeah, blue card draw spells. So being able to just like land a creature and then land another creature flashes makes all their attacks miserable. Yeah. Or just being able to you know play a spell, flash in a creature, play a, like an asp, uh, and then monstrosity it on their next turn. Like things like this just happen right or left. Like, obviously, it's a fragile body for what it is, but it's also, when you think about it in the way, on the turn you play it, you might be playing that and another 5-drop in all likelihood. Like, you could be playing that and an Asp as a surprise blocker on one turn. And that's a pretty, pretty substantial tempo play. To yeah. all of a sudden not just have a 2-3, which is, you know, weak, but if you untap with it and you get to start comboing off with this card. Um, yeah, I played with it... I want to say in four different decks now. I had it in both the, uh, the seals that I kind of did, and then I've uh, cracked it a couple times in drafts. And every single time I've had it, uh, I've been uh, I've been thoroughly impressed, as you as you might expect. Like I think everyone's had to play against Tefiri at some point in time, and just knowing that uh, things could be flashed in at any opportunity. But the, yeah. to also get the land, to get the what was it, the Merkfiend? Liege, I, I want to say know. it was a it was a Shadowmoor card the last time it happened. Yeah, so there's like but, what Seedborn Muse that effect of untapping all the land is just is just excellent. The control that you can get on the game, just knowing that you're always going to have mana open on their turn to deal with any of their threats and be able to advance your board is the good spread of creatures and counter magic or draw spells and creatures. You just you just take over instantly. So yeah, that card is like I just played against it today. And, like, he casts it, and I'm like, ah, okay, he gets to untap twice, whatever. And then at the end of my turn, like, at the end of my turn, he flashes in a creature, I'm like, oh, yeah, he gets to do that, too. All right, that's pretty good. And then he, like, monstrouses his guy, attacks in, and I'm like, okay, good, I have a window where I can swing in, and (laughs) I'm about to attack. And then I look on his side of the board, and I'm like, that card's untapped? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, this card does everything. Like it just literally did everything. He he was able to play like play a creature and monster something in a turn. He got to do everything on my turn and every card he had had vigilance and it was yeah, like presumably at the very least it's giving you 5 mana per turn. Yeah. You know, it, the turn he comes into play, it's it's got the classic Urza's block effect of untapping all your lands. Not the same turn, but it doesn't fucking matter cuz everything you're going to want to cast outside of you know, a few sorcery spells you're going to be able to do on their turn. Right. Yeah. So, it feels yeah, like it, yeah. it feels yeah. very similar to the ability that Sword of Feast and Famine had. Yeah. 
functional yeah functional vigilance on all of your guys yeah. and especially when you're playing green and all your guys are potentially gigantic or right. you're just playing the asp which you know trumps every creature practically yeah that card's great you know, just holds the board and becomes the abyss on them yeah it's a uh, it's really it's really absurd just like how much value you get with each subsequent turn that you that you pass yeah that guy's still that's like that's a good pick all right so what card have you been least impressed by with the one that you thought it would be good and it turned out to be pretty bad. Uh, I've got a few that are in the running for that. Actually, right. I want to have an honorable mention because I'm sure this will just come up infinitely more than the the most impressed card. Uh, Gray Merchant is actually the card I've been most impressed about because I didn't realize just how absurd games would get when people had a critical mass of merchants or a way to recur merchants. And that's just going to happen all the time. Like, profit games will happen, you know, once every couple drafts or such, once every few drafts. But Grey Merchant decks are going to happen possibly every single draft that you're in. And being able to beat that is going to be critical. But uh, anyone that forgets what it does, Grey Merchant comes into play for 5 as a 2-4, uh, Black Black 3, and he drains and gains for your devotion to black. So in a typical board, it's probably going to come in and hit for... Let's say, like, four, give or take, on the first time it comes in. But draining gain for four is pretty significant. And then the second guy drains gains for six. Don't look at the fact that it's, you know, a pretty undersized body, underwhelming body. You know, you're essentially paying just one extra mana for that that size body, and you're getting an amazing effect out of it. And uh, there was a run of drafts, uh, drafts in real life and drafts online that I've won or have lost two Grey Merchant decks. So... Being able to gain some life in order to stop that deck, I think, is going to be a really critical sideboard decision. So taking the white ordeal, taking all the guys like the green devotion spell, the white centaur that gains three if you have an enchantment, uh, really any effect that can gain you a little bit of life, I think is going to be very important while Theros is triple Theros, because that guy is going to be a very high pick and a really format defining. Yeah, I agree. Um, The thing is, I think uh, once everybody figures out that that's probably the black, best black common, it's um, it's going to be really hard to draft the deck where you have three of those in your deck. You know what I mean? So uh, I think for now, uh, if you're if you're drafting with some people that maybe aren't uh, as hip to what's happening, <laughs> uh, just roll them with triple gray merchants, but. Uh, I have a feeling in a couple weeks it'll be like multiple people will jump on that card immediately and then it'll be a disaster for a bunch of drafters. But Here's hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, so, uh, last question about Theros before we get into some pick-a-cards. Um, what do you think of the balance between the colors? Uh, do you, Does it feel like we have a weakest color, a strongest color? Does it feel... Like, it's all good, or first impressions kind of thing, you know? Okay. Um, Wait, did I get a weakest card from Jason? I don't think I did. I don't think we even said a weakest card, or cards have been disappointed. Oh, that's totally true. <laughs> I just figured you were you were rushing us along before we uh, tangent. No, 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 no. I want to I wanna, I wanna get the weakest card. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm out of it. Uh, we'll talk about balance in a second. Give me, Jason, give me, give me yours. Uh, I mean, I guess the surprisingly weakest cards I would go with the removal. Um, yeah. 
that I've seen. It's because I'm expecting something much stronger uh, with uh, like a five drop, like Flash of the Whip or the you know uh, Perforos Rage of Perforos, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Rage of Perforos at a sorcery speed. Yeah, um, like the scrying ability. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, those those have been really weak. Although uh, the the six drop, uh, the black six drop um, that destroys target creature and lose two life, has consistently been good. Because a lot of games, and not all, uh, if if someone drops an ordeal on me on turn two or three, then I'm I'm boned, but uh, I I will get to that six drop, and that will be taking out something that you know they've put a lot into. Yeah, It'll almost be a two or three for one, easy. Yeah, almost all boards is so far that I've noticed are dominated by one creature, like just mm-hmm. just one one thing is is ruling the entire board, and you can deal with that one thing, right. then the it really gets real swingy, you know. Which is why things like Wave Crash, Triton have have overperformed what I would expect. Because mm-hmm. being able to tap that one creature down that they put all they've basically gone all in on has really been super valuable. Or yeah. when I've gone all in on a creature and someone's done that to me. I'm completely with you, Jason, because all other ways to deal with a creature are gonna leave potentially the bestow creature when you're saying going all in on a creature. Like there's no claustrophobia effect in this format. There's nothing that you know, get sort of the creature and everything on top of it. Right. Um, well, depending on what those things are on top of it. So, yeah, Wave Crash Triton has been uh, huge. Very strong. Yeah. Huge. Um, cool. Uh, and Ryan, do you have a card you're thinking? For most disappointing card? Yeah. Can it also be Grey Merchant? It's like, disappointed me as much as any card has disappointed me. But uh, Oh, you think otherwise it's... It would be... Are you saying that it's disappointing you because it's good or disappointing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's disappointing how good this is. That's but, not uh, what I want. <laughs> I know. Uh, Rage of yeah, Rage of Porphyros, or however you say his name. Um, oh, you can't pick. Yeah, the same trying card. to cast that at the end of my opponent's turn oh, was pretty good. much as disappointed as I've ever. Been. <laughs> <laughs> For some like, reason, I did. I did something similar. I thought I had a the. The three four flying for five. For some reason, I read that as having flash. It totally doesn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that I lost a game because of that because I didn't play it and was like, oh, I'll flash this in. Feeling then, like it's a sea kite, but it's really not. It's really not that. Yeah. 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 But, but actually, like actually, most disappointing card. Another just the not just the huge punt I made. Rage is actually Rage is definitely up there. Uh, the fact that it's still a sorcery no matter how many times i read that card it's like it's disappointing every time <laughs> i read it <laughs> it just doesn't seem right yeah like, um yeah yeah i would uh i think i would just go with the rage all right all right fine you both get the same card sure <laughs> that's fine um yeah i i was i was trying to think of one myself that wasn't a removal spell but really those are the most disappointing cards um, I think, like, the one that is, uh, this is a, not a disappointing card, but, but a card that's slightly better than I expected was the Exile something with power two or less, and they gain life, you know? Oh, yeah, the last uh, breath. Last breath. It's yeah. not, not necessarily, like, I expected it as just, like, a sideboard card that would sometimes come in. I think it's worthy of a main deck spot. Uh, okay, yeah, like I, I, I mean, 
just think about how bad those friggin' ordeals have ruined you, Jace. Like, the... Yeah. The thing is... Yeah, I put... I had Swan, Swan Song in my last uh, oh, uh, yeah, draft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I wasn't main put it in there because every time I saw an ordeal because it's like, yeah, I'd rather give them a 2-2 than an ordeal. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah Swan Song's pretty... Yeah, you, you wouldn't expect to, to put that in, but for sure. Like, <laughs> like, But yeah, these early starts are like so powerful and a lot of, like, these ordeals are really good and some of the other, like, pump spells are really solid and being able to um, to have, like, something to say <laughs> when that when your opponent's trying to do something awful to you in the early turns is really important i think i feel uh where like if if you can make a deck stumble that has that is going for the quick win like this format really punishes that you know what i mean like and like i understand that it's probably not great against the deck that's playing like the long game but it can still hit creatures in the in those decks. Like it'll hit the one fours and stuff like that that are kind of frustrating and annoying to you. And yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be good in the deck where you're trying to beat down as fast as possible because exactly. you don't want them to gain four life. But um, but I'm thinking of more of the more general deck. Like overall, I feel like the first copy of that card is probably main deckable, and I didn't yeah. expect that. Anything but the most aggro deck in white you think wants that card. Yeah. Or if they have a particularly high impact two power guy. Like say the say the prophet that you just yeah, know yeah. you want to deal with. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that you're aggro, you just aren't gonna beat that card. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um anyway, let's do some pick a card lists since uh I I made a couple. They're both Theros lists. Um not too long, but uh that'll be good. So they both have themes. You'll figure it out as we go. But let's start by putting Flame Speaker Adept against Centaur Battlemaster. Do you know? Do you know both those? Do you guys? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the pick? Take it, Jason. Battlemaster. Battlemaster. All right. And what about you, Ryan? Uh. I don't want to play green-white ever in my life, so I, I think it might be slightly a better card. Um, I think I'm always just going to be a sucker for upside, and the Adept is also another card that I could bluff and just throw away at my will. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Adept. Um, I haven't actually seen many green-white decks yet, so maybe that's just a matter of people not wanting to do. And why do you think it has to be green-white? Okay, wait. Am I talking about the same card then? <laughs> you're, you're talking about it's a heroic card. It gets plus three, plus three, or three plus one. It gets one three counters. counters three oh, counters for five. Never mind. Three, I was three. talking about the. So I don't know what you're talking about. I was talking about the three drop green. Oh no no no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The no, no, no. Master. That's Nessian Corsair or something. I think. Oh. The, the um, three that's... drop or three three. No, he's talking about the green white oh. three drop. Oh 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 oh. Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh no. no. Battlemaster. Three three five mana heroic three plus one plus one counters. So presumably you have more ways to trigger trigger the Battlemaster than you do the Adept in any normal deck, right? Because how many spells you're gonna That's play, how many of them are gonna have scry as opposed to how many spells you're gonna play and you can target yeah. your own creature. Yeah. It might be like somewhat equal, but 
in normal cases, but with Bestow, you have more ways to target your Battlemaster. So maybe, how does it stack up against other cards I mean, of that you, drop? If you look at it without either of their upsides, the the virtual vanilla of both of these the add-ups better, though, right? Three mana, yes. right. two, three. True. True. That two mana three. is pretty back-breaking. But a 3-3 three, three is seven. relevant in this format. More relevant than a 2-2. Two, two. Or, or two, three. Two, it's three. a two three. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, but but I mean like three three power is pretty good because there are a few two threes running around. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go with two, I'd have to go with the adept still. Um, just a card that's as close to functional on its own, and I think the upside is in the deck that wants to play it. Uh, potentially I, quite a bit stronger. I will admit the the battlemaster was in my pre-release, and when I was playing with that, it was routinely. A nine nine or greater. Oh wow. So <laughs> it was like it was definitely the the like workhorse of my whole deck. I mean, because mm. that with I had you know three time defeats and it was just absurd. Oh it god, was, yeah, with time defeat, that's it was crazy. Disgusting. It was disgusting. So like that card <laughs> was really good. Yeah. Uh, I I think so, I, I would go Battlemaster too. Um, mostly because I think the. Like, as crazy as it sounds to spend five mana for a 3-3, I don't think that's that far below the curve that it's, like, awful, you know? Mm -hmm. And the first trigger, it's all of a sudden a monster, so... Yeah, you you really only need to trigger it once because the trigger is so good as opposed to maybe other heroic creatures where you might want to go all in on them. Right, and then, as Jason just said... Uh, there's a very specific card that makes this me really want this, which is time to feed. Yeah, yeah, because it's just that's that's like a combo, even though it's not really. But <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah. But anyway, uh, I, yeah, I would go Battlemaster. I also haven't I've seen the Battlemaster be good. I haven't seen the Adept be good yet, but that time will tell, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I play with the Adept too, and I never ma- managed to. I mean, like I've pumped it a couple of times, and that's been nice to get in a couple of extra damage, but. It's not been game breaking like the the Battlemaster has. Yeah. Have you guys tried to draft a, a blue red tempo spell heavy deck? No. You know, using the that was my last deck, but I didn't have uh, an adept in it. So okay. Maybe and it, we should was, uh, try and draft that. Yeah, I would like to. Fun. I would really like to. I mean, that's like I blue red's one of the archetypes I really enjoy. But hell uh, yeah, best keyword. But I, Yeah, but it's it's something that like it, it's hard. For some reason, the, the couple of times I've really tried to force it, uh, I did not get the bounce that I needed, so okay. it didn't work out. All right, we're spending a lot of time on the first one, so let's move on. Uh, so either Battlemaster for you, Jace, or Adept for you, Ryan, against Evangel of Heliod, or Heliod, or however you say that word. Well, he... I would go with Heliod, okay. like Helios, right? Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. Heliod. Evangel of Heliod, six mana, one three. Jason, uh, the six mana, one three that gives the one ones for your devotion. Yeah, yeah. So you're at least getting two when it hits. It's a six mana, one three plus two one ones, possibly more. Right. I think I would still go with the Battlemaster. All right, you've had a really good experience with Battlemaster. <laughs> Have you had a really? I don't find that. I don't find. I mean, I don't know. I, you think this I, card is that much better? Like I'm talking to Ryan, but oh, the Heliod. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm probably tainted by my experience with the uh, the Battlemaster at this point, so maybe I should take it higher. But the Heliod, 
just in a in a format with no uh, good sweeper, good way to divide damage, and then just a lot of monstrous guys without trample. I really like the the tokens to stabilize or tokens to just push through a massive amount of damage. Um, so yeah, no, I've uh, I haven't seen anyone lose yet after they've casted cast the uh, the priest of Heliod or prophet of Heliod. Well, you, Evangel, you haven't watched me play with him yet, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you can lose with anything. Oh, shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> sorry, I think I cut Jason off when he was talking about. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, I, I have not been, I haven't played against it. I haven't played with it. It, it doesn't sound like something that really impresses me. And I think that's just maybe my own, uh, bias towards a bunch of one mm-hmm. with that just get eaten. I don't know. Yeah. I, sorry. I, I will tell you my experience with it. I, uh, drafted it with, I also had Heliod, the actual dude. Um, which was a big reason I wanted this guy in my deck to the two white symbols. But uh, he, every time I cast him, either I cast him and then won that turn, so he did nothing, or I cast him and they attacked me with giant flyers and I lost. <laughs> so he never did anything. Uh, I did have one way to pump my entire team, which I was hoping that would ever come up, but I, it, it never did. The Phalanx Leader? Uh, it was no, it was yep. the the red white three two first strike vigilant dude. Oh yeah, Annex and yeah, Annex. that guy. I like yeah. that card's really oh. really really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. With that said, I take Battlemaster because I had bad experience. I may be tainted. Uh, but he fe- it felt like one of those things where, like, do I really want my six mana card to like try to stabilize the game or would I rather have my six mana card win me the game? Like that's what I want my six mana card to do. And this guy just didn't seem like he would ever do that for me unless he was <laughs> triggering Heliod to become a creature or something. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. That was, that was how I felt about it, but okay. Um, but next card, uh, Jason's still on Battlemaster, Ryan on, Evangel of Heliod, Rescue from the Underworld. This is an interesting I'll, card. Yes. I'll stick and with I, Yeah. I miss this is this is a card that I messed up on recently, because I, I was building a black deck. I had I like first or second pick the the um uh gray merchant and then this card came through, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I think I'd rather have a body." And so I picked something else. And mm. I, I that that is a mistake. I think that card is really, especially in the black deck, when you've got the two. Both of those um, devotion cards are pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty uh, much built to work with Great Merchant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's basically he's absurd for Great Merchant. Yeah, 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 just make yeah. it better. It's at least one more Great Merchant, if not two. More yeah, if you get two, that's right. that's the dream. And green right. or and black. The thing is, as you can also, <laughs> you can make a deck that's like self-milling and gray merchant deck that just mm-hmm. becomes, yeah, it's it's really nice. So uh, I think only because I haven't played with it yet because I blew it, uh, I would go for the <laughs> the other card, not the not the uh, battle master anymore. The yeah, rescue. Actually, I'm gonna change my answer. Um, 
I think I would take Gray Merchant, you know, pick one, pack one over uh, the Prophet or the Priest, whatever his name is. And so I should probably take as many copies of that as possible. So pick one, pack one. Maybe I don't take it, but uh, say if it's pick two and I already have a, or if I know I want to go black and. I, well, I, I get, I get what I, you're I, saying. That's not really the criteria, but yeah, I think I would take the return right now. Okay. Uh, I also will switch to the rescue from the underworld. Um, yeah, but mostly because I feel like it fits Black's plan the best out of all these cards that we've mentioned mm-hmm. so far. Like, I think the first three don't really fit the plan of the color that well, where the where Rescue really fits the plan of Black. Yes. And yeah. With that's why I like it. But all right, Rescue from the Underworld versus Sea God's Revenge. That's Ooh. Sea God. <laughs> That yeah. thing is so good. <laughs> it's just blown me out so many times. So is that God's you're jumping on that? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Any any decent amount of board presence, and you know, some decks just will never be able to beat it. Like, you know, Although that, it's, it's been it's been too little, too late for me at at, um, at five. Whereas a you know recurring your gray merchants, if you, especially if you get have one in the graveyard. Uh, yeah. would I mean, be absurd. I would uh, gaining the gaining the life off the gray merchant, which I mean, I like that, that we're thinking, or at least I'm thinking about the uh, rescue from the underworld as a gray merchant. There's nothing else that it is. But with, with the upside, yeah, of I mean that's, two gray merchants. The, 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 <laughs> Let's think best case scenario here, guys. You're essentially getting up, two up, first picks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, black. Without Grey Merchant is not a color anymore. <laughs> I that's my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's I mean I've had Rescue or Sea God's Revenge uh, being too little, too late. Like I can I can bounce your three guys, but the next turn you're putting them back on the table, and I'm at I'm at four life, so it doesn't matter. Um, or and I and you're at twelve, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get there. Uh, or Whereas this, like a another deal damage plus gain life, actually puts me back in the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I th- I'm on the fence, but I still th- I still think Sea God's Revenge in a vacuum is much better. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Revenge. Um, it feels more like like I mentioned with the Evangel, like what do you want your six mana spells to do, kind of thing. Like I want them to mm-hmm. win me the game, and that's what this card does. Yeah. Um. And I mean, rescue. Sure, we're talking about about it like it is a gray merchant, but it's not. It I is. mean, you can end up with only one gray merchant, maybe, and maybe you it didn't die or it's not in play. So this then becomes just a weird a card in your hand because you're never going to play it without the gray. Merchant. <laughs> <laughs> you might if you're like I, I would play it if it was a two for one, you know, like saving your creature and getting back another, but. But yeah, the Sea God's Revenge. It's it's. Uh, I feel like it buys you if you're if you're playing it defensively. It sucks or it doesn't suck, but it's just not doing what you want it to. But it at least buys you a turn plus, like maybe turn and a half. Um, and it also you know gives a random scry, which is kind of weird. But uh, where the, I mean the rescue is just we're we're talking about it as in it has to have another card to work, which is what makes me want the revenge you know right right like yeah the revenge has to have creatures in play but if your deck doesn't do that you probably shouldn't be playing limited 
Um, All right, last card. Uh, Either rescue or revenge against burnished heart. Ooh, Uh, burnished heart is up there in the running. Hmm. No, I'm asking that as a question. Uh, Oh, you don't you don't Uh, think so? I I don't like burnished heart at all. Okay, it's. I mean, I am not sure on it yet. Uh, When I first read it, it seemed fairly weak, but then. The fact of ramping two with one card uh, seems pretty powerful in the right deck. Over two turns, though. I I think what's happening is the same thing with uh, the rescue from the Underworld, is that uh, it's a a specific deck that you want this card in, and you want it more than you'll want the Sea... Well, maybe you'll want it more than you want the Sea God's Revenge. Um, But... Sea God's Revenge is, is just a powerhouse on its own, so I would stick with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I just I threw it on the end. I wanted to hear you guys' opinions on the card, so. It's boo. Cool. <laughs> so did you end up with Rescue in that list, Ryan? Uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, the Revenge. I'm going to go with the Revenge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, as much as Return is always going to be two Grey Merchants, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, if it's always two Grey Merchants... <laughs> That's yeah, the best card. Obviously, card <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's gray always two great merchants, disciple. it's like the best card. It's like a rare yeah. quality card. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, the list. Uh, the next list is more focused on a strategy. So we'll see. You'll figure out which strategy that is immediately. So, I just want to get you guys' opinions on how this, how to build this deck. All right. So a Crowan Crusader. Nice. Against Battlewise Valor. Ooh. Being plus two, plus two in Scry 1. Yeah. I'd have to go with the Valor. Um, I think Valor. that's a really critical spell, like that and the, assuming that we're going to go red-white, between that and the uh, Titan Strength. Mm-hmm. Like two of the better spells that you can get, just being able to, to pump the force through damage, pump your little guys to get past you know, their mid-range, three and four drops, and uh, yeah, to trigger Heroic. That's one of the best spells you can get for it. This, so this yeah, I'll is, go. With the- yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree. I mean, this is another case of me like being kind of, uh, I don't know, anti one one <laughs> that are vanilla one one counters. But the thing is, is you think about this card, if you're actually putting a bunch of your spells into it to get your one one counters out, it's really kind of not your your spells are not being used that effectively. Sure, is my opinion. So I would, and whereas this other thing is an enabler for a whole host of things in the uh, in the format that um, that I'm I'm looking. I mean, if this is what we're looking to build, you know, this heroic archetype, then I I think that I want that valor. Yeah, I I would actually go as far as to say that the crusader is a trap, and that he maybe doesn't even belong in this deck. Man, you just wasted 15 ticks right there, so I can just try and prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you just took 15 ticks out of my account. <laughs> threw it away. <laughs> you just, I mean, for all the things Jason just said, like, the thing that a Crowan Crusader does is produce a couple 1-1s over the course of the game and is a 1-1 himself. Like, these are things that my aggro heroic deck does not give two shits about. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, I want to play something and make it massive and kill people with it. Like, and I want to do it and, as fast as possible. 
And you're using your spells to target that 1-1. One, one. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you're using your spells to, you know, maybe get three toughness. You're still putting that creature at risk. You're not taking, you're probably not taking away anything. I don't know. It doesn't seem very strong, but maybe I'm wrong. And, and Ryan, please waste your $15. I'm ready. There's six in the queue right now. I'm just, I'm just waiting to Hold DC. up, hold up. We gotta finish the podcast. Alright. <laughs> um, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to see the deck where, that a Crow and Crusader is a star in. Cause it, I this don't think. Feel... I, I had five When you, when you draft it, please just, you know, record the whole, the playing. Yeah, I don't care if you record the draft, but record the playing portion of that. Show yeah. me that that is good. It, was only decent when I had out Biden of Thassa. But I think, you know, mm, just that's... playing any number of small creatures, 16 land deck, bunch of pump spells, bounce spells, Biden of Thassa. That's okay. all my deck I, so, I can see that. That right, makes sense. Drawing. So, yeah, you just need to pair it I with, see. you know, a bomb rare. <laughs> sure. <laughs> one, one, one is great. All right. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to take the Battlewise Valor um, as well, yeah. obviously. Uh, all right. So Valor versus Hopeful Idolin. I'm going to have to go with the, the Eidolon, yeah. Okay. I think it's maybe not as good for the deck in some cases, but um, it's so good against any deck that wants to burn you, the Grey Merchant deck. Other decks just to win races if they're trying to aggro as well. Well, as important as a pump spell is going to be, uh, giving a creature lifelink is, is not an effect you're going to get um, anywhere else. And the kind of life gain that I can represent you know, being a uh, a half mark of the vampire in some cases, mm-hmm. and then with like the upside of, you know, actually having another life linker later on that you can uh, beef up. Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely go with the Eidolon. I've been very impressed by that card. Bring up good points. I I think it's hard because if I it depends on where I'm at in my draft. If this is like a late pick and I've already got a bunch of heroic cards, then I'm probably going to take the Eidolon. Uh, because I think I'm going to get value off of it when I play it, and, you know, it's a little bit of bonus with the lifelink and whatnot. Um, the other card, the Valor, is is one of the cards that is, like, pseudo-removal to me in a, in a set that has shitty removal. So I'm, I might take that over the Eidolon if I don't think I'm going to hit heroic tri- triggers, actually, very easily. I can I see know. that. I'm going to have to uh so I'm sticking with the valor. Tell you both yeah. that you're pronouncing Idolin incorrectly and uh pick it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Did did you read the uh the pronunciation guide on MT or Wizards that they posted? Is that why you know? No, no. I well, Idolins existed in uh the original Ravnica block, but I'm I'm right. such a I for those that listen to the podcast regularly they probably know that i'm a super stickler for saying words correctly and i i don't know i'm just being a a little bitch is all (laughs) like people everyone says aether like aether adept or aether snap it's it's ether guys i'm i hate you all but um that's a pretty significant one though where's ether it's ether no, it should be ether. Isn't it A-E and S sound? Mm. Pretty sure it's an S sound. Oh, man. I'm going to have to look Uh-oh. this up now. All right. <laughs> I'll, do that. Out. I'll do that later. No, it won't be. 
Uh, I'm too lazy for that. Come on. <laughs> you lazy little bitch. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I awesome. I like the Eidolon. Um, I mentioned earlier the whole like take as many bestow guys as possible deck. I love that deck, and this is one of those cards that fits perfectly there. So fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um. So uh, sorry. Which one, which one did you end up taking, Jace? I took the Valor to be different. That's what, to be different. <laughs> I, I'm actually like totally on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's a good pair. It's legitimate. For me. Um. All right. So Valor or Idolon versus Leaf Crown Dryad. So we're moving out of moving into a different color here. Still same strategy as I'm thinking, mm-hmm. but. Um, well, and okay. So if it's not the same deck that I was picturing before. Since I don't want to do as green white as I said uh, incorrectly right. earlier, and I don't value the uh, the green heroic guys terribly much, um, I'm not too worried about uh, bestowing any of the sure. green heroic guys. That's not a strategy that I would go for. While bestowing the white heroic creatures, particularly the uh, the was the Wingsteed Rider, the mm-hmm. three drop two two flyer, oh, where yeah. if I can make that a four four lifelinker coming in on turn four. I'm feeling really good about how the uh, how the game is going right there. Yeah, I've turned that so, guy into a super Sarah Angel many times already, and it's been great. Uh, there's there's just enough burn in this format that I think the lifelink, uh, particularly on a flyer, of course, but just lifelink in general, is going to be much more important. Even though like the first half of the Eidolon is... Way better. The first half? The 1-1 one, one for 1? Oh, sorry. I was thinking the, that I had, sorry. Oh. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dryad is, I guess, is a bear that's a bit better, but maybe it is. What do you think? Is it better just to have an Eidolon? Are there drops or draws where you're going to just slam an Eidolon and then, you know, put an ordeal on it turn two and just make your mm-hmm. Eidolon the mm-hmm. base lifelink creature that you really just want to go all in on? No, I don't see that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Snap, no. I don't know. If you have an ordeal, I would say go for it. I would definitely put an uh, ordeal on now. What, one, one. what if you had like a better two drop? Maybe put, uh, play I'm the two sure. drop, then in the ordeal, then give that guy lifelink. A two drop that's better than my one mana one one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're starting a turn later, <laughs> but but that card Maybe. is going to be way bigger and better. Maybe. I'm yeah, not sure. Not convinced. All right, not convinced. You want to go as early as possible, which is okay. legitimate. That's the deck that I'm building. That's the way I want to do it, especially in this format where, at least, where if there's enough people like me who think it's slow, uh, yeah, coming in on the second turn for two and then the third turn for three is pretty absurd. And at the same time, I'm up five lives. So yeah, it's ten lives swing in two turns. It's pretty big. Um, all right, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Uh, I Dolan for not. No. Nope. Only- oh, you're not. not- I, well, I wasn't on the Eidolon, and uh, oh, so right. I had the, the Valor. Uh, I actually would go for the the bear yeah. um, over the Valor, the bear with an upside of being plus two, plus two. I don't consider Reach being too significant, but it could be. Yeah, but it, yeah. I, I've died to a lot of flyers already. Fucking giant flyers. <laughs> that, that Sphinx, that uncommon Sphinx, that 4-4, four, four, man, fuck that mm-hmm. card. Card is ridiculous. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've cast it. And it's, it's been just like too small <laughs> in the air. Like at the 
four four in the air, four, but four. someone else has already built up like a six six in the air by that time. By the time I put six in now. So green has a couple other ways to deal with flyers in the asp and the shredding winds. Like dealing with a flyer is not necessarily the most important effect. Not like you're playing the bestow for the reach necessarily. But you, no. would you the main deck a shredding winds? Is, what's up? Would you main deck a shredding winds? I haven't yet. No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. All right. But I would main deck this guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But um, yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that. Lifelink is more unique a keyword than well reach, reach or the I ability agree. to deal with a flyer in green. Sure. So, that's it. Yeah, I think my the reason I go on Idolan over Dryad, the biggest reason is that if I am going heroic, I don't think I want to be playing green. And I mean I'm not against it completely. I'm not I'm not playing heroic for the green cards. I would just I'd be playing it for cards like the Dryad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and not the heroic cards, but uh, but in general, I think I'm gonna try to stick with the the base white that uh, this heroic deck probably would rather have. Um, all right, so Idolin or Dryad versus God's Willing. God's willing. That's the one mana oh, protection the, the scry. Yeah. So. So without a guidance for the deck that we're supposed to be drafting? Um, just think heroic. Just still thinking heroic? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a tougher one. I think I think the effect is, you know, it's it's very cheap, but if I'm just trying to go aggro like heroic, I think I'd rather have the Titan Strength or the was it the Valor that the plus valor. two plus two? Yeah. yeah. I'd rather have that both over the gods willing. Well once again, the Eidolon lifelink is an irreplaceable effect in some matchups. So, yeah, being able to protect your maybe your heroic guy that you're going all in on might be good. Right, um, that's the biggest thing. But if you're God, going aggro, maybe you don't have the luxury to leave open mana in order to protect your guy. If you're having to curve out and just go aggro, you just just don't <laughs> don't leave up open mana if you can avoid it. But if you're uh, yeah, so idle on again. Yeah, I I mean like so in the in the heroic deck, under the assumption that I'm like building up some kind of Voltron, I I really like God's Willing, especially against your blue matchups because yeah you can pump up your creature to get around some damage or something like that, but the the protection from blue to prevent it from being bounced and just totally ruining your tempo is pretty nice. I I probably would go God's Willing. Yeah. I have been super impressed with God's Willing. Um, but that being said, I would still go Eidolon. Uh, mostly because it's a creature. And, like, although it's a weak-ass creature, it's still a creature. And I really want a mass amount of creatures and targeted effects, which obviously the Bestow guys are super awesome for that. Um, so that's the reason I'd go Eidolon, but with that said, this is really on the fence for me, because God's Willing has been huge for me. I've countered, like, Magma Jets and all other kind of crazy things with it, and got, I've gotten in for the win, just making my gun unblockable, like, yeah, doing some real nice things with that card, um, and it's been nice. So far, I haven't been punished with it. I almost was... 
in that like targeting your guy you have to say like red but it's currently being enchanted by a red card <laughs> whoops that almost <laughs> happened to me when i had a rage of perf or not a rage uh, ordeal of perforos on my thing it, it only had the two counters and somebody blocks it, and I'm like, uh-oh. And he, God's willing, his guy, but my card was red-white, and he chose white <laughs> yeah. like a fool. And then so I did it as well, and I was like, sure, no problem. But uh, uh, anyway, the whole, um, like, I, I don't know, that, that effect feels more replaceable than the Eidolon. And mostly because Eidolon is essentially two cards at one to me. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Um, cool. Alright, so God's Willing, Eidolon versus Staunch-Hearted Warrior, Green Heroic Guy. Oh, not a fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the first Heroic Guy besides the Acroan Crusader that's been on the list. I mean, so how about this question? I mean... Uh, How about a Crowan Crusader, staunch-hearted warrior? <laughs> it's like, oh man, please don't tell me to take the Crusader there. <laughs> I know you will. I won the draft I'm about to do. I but. know. Um, but anyway, the the question I have is, what's the most important thing in the heroic deck? Is it the heroic creatures? Mm, or do you do you not care that much? Is it just like you're just trying to s- s- assemble Voltron if your guy's heroic? Bonus, but he doesn't have to be. Uh, it'd probably be this. Well, I mean, there's a few heroic creatures that are just head and shoulders above the other ones, like the. Sure. I mean, hoplite. If you're really aggro, the battlewise hoplite. Or actually, I should say, all the hoplites are very good. But the phalanx leader, you know, where you, he's definitely not a two drop. He's not like two white play a one one. That's just not how you play him. But yeah, he's playing him on turn five and immediately anthoming your team. It's pretty and big. if they kill him, they kill him. And yeah, everyone still gets the anthem. That's that's pretty damn absurd. So certain creatures are more important, but if you're only targeting one creature at a time with most spells, I think you have to you have to not value heroic, getting a glut of heroic creatures. Like mm-hmm. like you said, you're not going all in on a crowing crusader or something like that. There's just going to be some creatures with a much better heroic ability than others. So you don't need to like take a slightly worse creature that has heroic. You know, just to have the chance to get value off it. Cool. And you know you're going to have much better heroic creatures that you're going to want to want to make a monster. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jace, what do you think? I, we already uh, know Ryan hates Stonchard Warrior. <laughs> right. And, yeah, I mean, if I've already picked up a few time defeats, I'm going to pick this guy up. But uh, I think basically Ryan has convinced me that a mediocre heroic creature does not your deck make it really you pick i mean heroic is kind of like the the bonus on your Voltron, i think and that i think that that's that's a fair and probably the more consistent way mm-hmm. to to play it cool mm-hmm. all right um so we have the idolon still or god's willing versus titan's strength three one scry one that's it Oh, me again? Yeah. Also go with the Eidolon, but it's really close. And I think it depends on maybe what kind of creatures I have and where my curve's at. If I can really get it very, very low, as many one and two drops as possible, 
sure. then I probably want more of the Titan strengths, like as many of those as possible, and uh, or the different pump spells and cheap scry cards as possible, and won't worry quite as much about the lifelink. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's good enough. It's just good enough and cheap enough as a trick that triggers it. That um, if you're just investing one to get a scry, a heroic trigger, and possibly eating a creature or burning for three on top, just for one mana, I think that's just too good. If it's too well into a low curve where you can still play guys and trigger heroic. Not that God's willing couldn't do that, but to get in the three points of damage on an aggro deck, I think is going to be big at most points of the game more important. All right. What do you think, Jace? I think you're you, so you'll be more interesting since the other card is so similar. Right. So it it really depends on my deck. If my deck is trying to be an aggro deck, then the three one is definitely it. If my deck is building like a huge Voltron guy to fly over the top, then uh you know, being able to protect him is pretty valuable. So Yeah. Um in most cases, the way I play, especially if I'm playing on uh, MTGO, I'm going to need that three plus three plus one, though. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Titan Strength is slightly more important than God's Willing. Um, it, like, it's surprising how the plus one toughness actually can turn it into a oh, removal yeah. spell. Like, people try to trade straight up all the time for things that are, you know, equal power to toughness and just giving it that plus three plus one can be huge with the the one in the butt end um it because it does it's not just plus like reading it the first time it, i'm just like oh so this is essentially like two for one myself or just get in three damage but it's much more than that i think that it's it's closer to a giant growth than it looks and uh yeah for that reason plus i would take uh, Titan Strength over Idolan even. Cool. Because it's, cool. it's been huge. Uh, Alright, last card. Uh, here's here's the guy you want to Voltron up the most. Titan Strength or Idolan versus Two-Headed Cer- Cerberus. Hmm. I, I would go with the, the Strength or the Idolan over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I think the double strike ability is pretty close to like maybe the upside that you'll get uh, over or with some of the heroic creatures. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a body like to put an Eidolon on, seems all right, but really you just want to buff his power more. Right. So works well with Titan Strength. <laughs> yeah, works great with Titan Strength. Yeah. The question would be like, w- would you even take this over the the Hasted Minotaur, the guy that swings as a four two? That is a good question. Or would you take it over you know the Wingsteed Rider? I think it oh, kind of no. falls shy of no. a couple of the other three drops in a red-white heroic deck. But uh, I may be wrong on that. Maybe what you're supposed to do is just slap a God's Willing on it, give it Titan Strength, and get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was an interesting one. So I, I recently drafted red-white. Obviously, I was talking about my red-white deck. Uh, and it the, the Cerebrus was in my board by the end. Yeah, and I didn't expect it at all. Like I picked it fairly high, and it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh yeah, this is something I want to put. I want to slap stuff on." And then, but by the end, I had enough cards like God's Willing that, like, 
God's willing on two-headed Cerebrus, way worse than God's willing on something with heroic, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just one of those things where I didn't really realize that it's not quite the card you're looking for. <laughs> Although it, yeah. I I agree. Um, and I you know I'd post our I you know in our our discussions of looking at uh, sealed pools online before uh, Greg left. Uh, I I was also questioning the the Cerberus versus other cards. I don't find it very strong in the the few times I've used it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably stick with the uh, Titan Strength. Cool. I I'm also sticking with Titan Strength. So how about we just draft a deck in a second where it's all the Chrome Crusaders and Titan Strengths we can get our hands on. <laughs> Who's if- it? That that would actually probably no. That's awful. You beat for five on turn two. <laughs> that's awful. and then you beat for two. <laughs> I don't want yeah, to do I, that. You beat. For I, five. I, it's okay. It's, it's my money. Um, <laughs> you, you took it out of my wallet. <laughs> enjoy losing that money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Swiss. I can enjoy it three times over. Yeah. All right. So let's let's move on to the other topic. Uh, we talked enough about Theros. We got a good good hour plus on that. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry that the entire show isn't about Theros, but I really have only played a few times so far, and so I don't have it completely under my belt. I don't, I don't feel like I have that much more to say. Um, but what I do have to talk about and have to say is a very interesting topic to me, which is the speed of play and like slow play versus fast play and... I think that there might be a common misconception about the the like about speed of play, and I feel like the common thing that most people think is the faster you play, the better, always. Mm-hmm. And I totally disagree with that. Um, but fast play can be very good and very important. But I think that there are specific good things about each style and um, specific times when you should be doing one over the other. Um, and, and when I say slow play, I'm not talking about the infraction you're getting yeah. when you're, you know, whatever, right. at the tournament. I, I'm talking about slowing the pace of the game down by, uh, you know, a reasonable amount, not to where you're sitting there with your hand open thinking forever. You're just, just cause, cause there's, there's extremes to each of these. Right. And I think playing at either extreme is bad. Like if you're playing so fast that you're like ripping the top card off, throwing a card down, tapping your mana, tapping your guys, saying go all in like a good 10 to 15 seconds. I've seen people play this way. It's, it's wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have enough time to see that new card and reevaluate the board for that to work. So, um, but playing, playing fast is fine and good in certain aspects. But, uh, first, before we get into like why each one is good or bad, um, what, what kind of player would you call yourselves? Each of you slow or fast or mixed or whatever. I would cop out and say mixed, but, um, I think my fault is when I play fast, is when I play too fast. Um, play too fast where you miss something obvious. 
that's in, or in this case, when I miss something that I would have noticed had I taken the extra five, extra ten seconds, which wouldn't have affected the game, you know, which wouldn't have affected a three-round match to take those few extra seconds. That's not like, that's not where I lose the match. It's if I can take a quick aside, I equate it to you're driving like a mile across town and you're just like, it's a 25 and you're driving fucking 40. It's like, you don't really get there any quicker. You're just not going far enough right. to make it worthwhile. And and in this, like just not taking the extra few seconds to make sure you know everything that's going on sometimes, especially when you've just drawn a card or numerous cards or when they've passed with a bunch of open mana and you wanted to attack and now you're wondering just to take a few extra seconds can avoid a lot of just dumb mistakes. Totally. And, uh, you know, whether or not you'll make the right decision in the end is one thing, but hopefully you just don't make the terrible mistake, the obvious mistake. Right. All right. Anyway. Jason, what kind of player would you say you are? I would say uh, it's tough because on in cards, I would say my problems really come out when I play too quickly. Um, I don't think that that necessarily means I'm a fast player, but I'm, I am playing faster than I should be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I'll be, you know, going through and counting up. I, I, I do this when I'm reading. I do this all the time where I'm just, like, getting to, like, completing my thought process, which is in magic cards, you know, counting up damage and things like that. And I'm just, like, I just run out of patience. And then I just be like, ah, I'm attacking. <laughs> and and that, those kind of mistakes, like, especially when, like, you know, the the attack is, you know, I should be attacking, but maybe yeah, I should be attacking with one creature, one creature back. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah, that, I mean, there's a reason why I, I tend to pick up those kind of decks. But, uh, no, it, there's, you know, there's, there's, I've caught myself on multiple occasions where if I had, like, chosen how I attacked over two turns a lot better, it would have been a game win. And it, and I end up with like either going much longer and maybe getting the game win or just losing. And so in those cases in cards, I, I am definitely a slow, a uh, fast player or not, not necessarily fast, but make too fast for what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Whereas in MTGO, I cannot go. Well, fast you, you have extenuating circumstances. My computer is too slow. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, the lag on when I click a button uh, is too long. So yes, MTGO is I I could not go fast enough. I I haven't uh, timed out on Theros yet, um, but I've been mostly. Man, congratulations! <laughs> I know I I I have timed out more more matches than I care to admit. <laughs> would you say have you timed out more than you've finished? Because that would be sad. But possible. No, not, I, I, I don't think that that's possible because I mean I, I do draft red white quite often. That's good. That's good. Play to your strengths, which is that's right. Slow computer. Yeah. Um, but no, I could definitely use. I, I think I, I do make and and we'll go over them, but I think I do make some some mistakes that uh, you know, letting my mind wander on my opponent's turn when I could be planning out my turn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff that. Would would improve my game quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so for me, I would yeah. consider myself uh, similar to Ryan as a mixed player, um, leaning towards the slower end of the spectrum, uh, where um, I 
I feel like I spend a decent amount of time doing combat math and things like that, uh, that, that some fast players tend to skip. <laughs> that they'll like look at the board and be like, yeah, my board looks, my board looks better than theirs. I'm going to attack. It's like, well, you could actually figure out exactly how much better it is and make the perfect play if you spent time. And I always try to spend the time to do that. Of course, I'm a fast player in that I, I might do that, uh, with, with combat math, but I'll often, um, find an optimal play, like a gut reaction play that looks optimal to me and stop thinking about what to do next and just do it. You know, like not, not think, well, is there another play? And I, it looks to me like this was obviously the best play, but maybe there's a second play that maybe is a little trickier and maybe better. Um, and that often gets me, uh, or maybe, maybe simpler and better, you know, like I often see a tricky play and I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. Like that looks, they're going to, their mind's going to be blown how good this is. And like Ryan will be on the Skype call with me and I'll do something. He'll be like, why didn't you just attack for the win? You had an open. <laughs> like, oh, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do that a decent amount. And, um, yeah. And it's funny that like, I think of you, Ryan, as a fast player, m- mostly due to, um, I think your, your speed of play is dictated by how much fun you're having which is interesting. <laughs> uh, when you're having less fun, you are much faster, like way faster. And yeah, I tilt. Yeah, you, you definitely tilt, um, but it's not even like, it's like a gradual scale. Like like if you're really tilted, yeah, you're just going to be like zooming through. But even if you're just like, if your deck just isn't being that much fun, you know what I mean? Like you definitely play faster, where the second that like a Burning Vengeance is online... Cool. Every turn is like four hours. Oh god, you just gotta <laughs> savor those moments. <laughs> You're like, oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, so so anyway, let's let's talk about uh why why you would want to play slow. We'll start we'll start with playing slow and then and then talk about playing fast. Um. So the reasons that you would want to play slow. Um, the biggest reason, in my opinion, is it gives you time to think. This is a game that requires brain function. You, It's a game of strategy. Uh, that's the only thing you control anyway. There's also a game of chance in, in there as well. But the only thing you control is what you do with your brain. And this gives you time to do that when you play slower. Um which is the most important point, and uh, even if you think you're you got the fastest mind ever, you you're not a computer. Like you're not going to figure everything out that fast. So, uh, yeah, just that that's the best the best part of playing slow, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody somebody give me another good reason that playing why to play slow. Particularly like the idea that it can frustrate a player that wants to play fast. Uh, right. Particularly if they're used to being able to dictate the speed of play by them playing fast. If you know by them making the quick decision, 
immediately passing to their opponent, the opponent maybe gets flustered, the slower playing opponent, and is trying to match the speed. And I think that goes into less uh, less of on how to actually play a good game of strategy. Like you say, it takes time to think, and more of like a... It becomes more of a social aspect, almost. Right. Where your, this is- your prowess is shown by playing competently and fast. That is like the pinnacle of prowess in your game, where you actually are the computer, and you are making all the lines of play correctly, all the decisions correctly, and you're doing it in a blink of an eye. What a master. But, uh... <laughs> But yeah, like the if that's what you think someone might want to do, the fast player tries to make you do that, or the fast play makes the opponent want to play outside of their comfort zone. But yeah, oh, yeah, that's, the, that's of course the talking about the cons or the pros of playing fast, not the pros of playing slow. But yeah, the inverse is definitely true, where if the player is just generally impatient. Uh, yeah, playing slow and taking much more time in a game where. We have 50 minutes. It's not online where we each have 25 or we each have 30. We have 50 or 60 in some cases. Uh, yeah, it can be kind of annoying to someone if uh, one player is taking 50 of those minutes, 40 of those minutes, and the other person is taking 10. Right. But there's a whole nother, whole nother discussion right there. Totally. And and it actually is part, I mean, it's important to, to mention because, like, to play slow to tilt your opponent, like your fast-playing opponent that's that's trying to dictate the pace of the game by playing very fast, trying to fluster you, and in turn you're doing exactly the opposite of what he wants, playing even slower. Um, that comes into a dangerous area if you're doing it too much and over the span of, like, and ne- especially near the end of the round, right? Because then you're getting into the territory of, well, he can call a judge over, have them watch me for slow play, and things can get bad real fast where you could possibly get an infraction or something like that. Um, and I don't know if any of you have had a judge watch over your shoulder about slow play, but um, nothing will make you play worse than that. <laughs> That's all you're going to be able to think about, and you're going to be playing at the opposite of what speed what you want to be, you know? Like, you're going to be playing faster than you could believe or... Yeah, mm-hmm. because the judge is breathing down your neck, and you're like, "Oh yeah. God, I can't get kicked out of this tournament." Um, that's I've only had that happen to me once, but I've seen it happen to other people multiple times, and it's you know, it it almost always ends up with the that person making play mistakes, especially if they're you know not actually doing slow play intentionally, right? If it was really a pressure situation before, and they were trying their hardest to think oh, as totally. fast and as well as they can, and then the guy sitting across from you calmly says that I think that you may be cheating. <laughs> right. And now you have someone else that's seeing if you are indeed cheating, if you are indeed uh, right. trying to make things go to a draw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of people, they're not used to playing the game with scrutiny, you know, most of the games are played with just you and your opponent, and no one is seeing your hand, but maybe you know a friend or two. Right. So. Right. But yeah, uh, it's definitely a con. Yeah, it's it's a con, but it's it's an interesting thing. The mind games that you play with the speed of your play are very interesting, uh, and I think it comes more into it with fast play than slow play because it's easier to tilt an opponent um, by playing fast than by playing slow. Because really. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God, I disagree. I am, like, 
man, when I'm sitting across from a truly slow player, it is just exhausting. Like, just sitting there going, I know you can't have that many things to calculate. I can see the board state. You have three cards in hand. I know what's, like, possible. Get on with it. You know? Like, sure. That is... That is the thing that's like kills me. Whereas like somebody playing too fast, it's just like, yeah, go ahead, you're gonna fuck up. Like I don't, it doesn't bother me when somebody tries to play fast against me. It bothers me a lot when somebody play, tries to play slow, or they don't try. It doesn't seem like they're trying. I mean, that's the difference. It's like if you like force a slow or you know force playing slow. I don't know how. It's got to be. It's tough. Like you said, it's like because when it becomes obvious that you're forcing that, then you're you're cheating. In, sure. in a way, in a time match. Sure. But, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, that being said, like, the, the, this is why I love card based magic over online, is because, like, a f- opponent playing fast doesn't matter. I, I mean, like, their time is, doesn't even come into it. It's all about my time. And it, maybe this is because I'm slow or online, but, like, I, online, it doesn't, like playing fast, playing slow. It's just about me. It's not about them. Um, yeah, speed, sure speed of play online is a whole different beast. We're, we're talking about right. Real. But but with with magic on in person with with cards, it's I mean there it's a mind game as much as it is just doing the right thing. I mean I love putting my hand down on the table to signal that like I've got nothing to do, but I I definitely have things to do, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get you makes you know make the move that you weren't sure about making sure so like those kind of things so this is the reason i say fast play is easier to tilt somebody with is because it's easier to dictate the speed of your opponent's play when you play fast and i'm not just talking about your turn your opponent's turn is part of it so when your opponent uh does something in their first main phase and you pick up a pencil and put it to your pad of paper like that that in their head, they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be attacking now. Like, you're pushing them to attack right away. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's exactly, like, uh-huh. you want them to just, to not think about the attack, to just do it, because you have something to do. And they think that you don't. They think that you're writing, you're changing life totals right away. And it's like, this whole, like, pushing the opponent to play faster by your mannerisms, by the things you do. I mean, your turn matters too. Play your turn as fast as possible, pass the turn, and then just start playing their turn without even playing, you know? Like, giving them cues, like, this is what you're supposed to do next. And and it will really screw people up. And and they'll, they'll like, the first the first time uh, a mistake is made, and, and if you're playing fast, and that's the reason, the the slower opponent is going to just get super tilted super quickly. I see. I, I like that. So the, the the point of playing fast is it's a lot easier when you're playing fast to dictate the speed of the game versus if, you, if you're playing slow, your opponent can pick up the speed. Your opponent, basically, it's like, it's like for me, it's like being on the freeway. I, if I'm on the freeway, if I'm like the fastest or near to the fastest person, I'm not getting passed. Right. And so I don't have to think about the other cars on the road as much. Right. So so I'm dictating the speed of the of the road in a way. Yeah. Cars get out of your way, Jason. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're dictating how Literator. things are going when you're going yeah. fast. When you're going I think slow. The difference if I'm picking apart what you guys are saying is the difference between like tilting and being an annoyance. You know, like the fast right. player might make someone play outside of their comfort zone and people make more mistakes 
easily way more mistakes playing fast than they ever do playing slow. Totally. The slow player, maybe he is just dictating a casual game, and the fast player slows it down a little bit, too. Or, or like you say, you just get kind of annoyed. You just get annoyed because you're saying, how many decisions could you really be needing to make here, man? Like, I've got yeah. you, or what, whatever. So, like, you get to sit there, and you get to think a little bit more, you know. It's not like you have to have your mind drift off. It's not like you have to be distracted. It just is, you know, online. Yeah. At least it's on their clock. If I'm playing, if I'm playing you, Ryan, I think that I I choose to play slow because I think I have a better chance of tilting you if I play slow than if I play fast. You have so, a better chance of tilting you, me with Rally the Peasants than any card. Yeah, ever. <laughs> you beat me more with that card than anyone will ever beat me with one card. It's a good card, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, let's let's get back to the, the we're kind of. I mean, we're we're not going off topic, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, so, yeah, dictating the speed of play is is very important, um, and I think it's easier to do with fast than slow. Uh, but um, the the other thing that's really nice about slow play is that just giving yourself more time, uh, you're you, you just have more chances to see things, right? Like, obviously, it just has to do with the same thing about thinking out all your decisions. It's just giving yourself more time. You'll notice things more. You'll notice more opportunities um, and potential lines of play. Like, if I slowed down my play, I would see that I could just attack for the win, and they lose because they're tapped out. But instead, like, I get fast I get in this fast mode and I see like a fun, cool play and I do it and I pass the turn and I missed the win. <laughs> um, but yeah, so slowing it down, really important for just playing as optimally as possible, mm-hmm. as we've said. Absolutely. Um, now, the bad parts of playing slow. Uh, well, the most obvious one, going to time, getting a draw. If you play slow enough to where you can't finish the game, then you don't you can't win the game. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can in extra turns, but it's that's that's a big problem um where if you're a slow enough player, uh going to time can be a big problem for you. Yeah. Um that is more important online than anything because going to time there is not a draw. <laughs> that is right. a loss. But uh, a draw still sucks. Like uh, as we all know, this weekend when we were getting mass texts, we hear that John got his first draw. We're like, ah, fuck. That's, yeah. that's essentially a loss. Like, goddamn it. One, it's day one. It's a loss. Yeah. And so, it, it. I mean, a draw is awful, and nobody wants them. And everybody's upset at the end of a draw. Like nobody's happy. This this game is supposed to be fun, and at the end of a draw, you're you're going into your next round tilted for sure. <laughs> So that's a big con to slow play, um, and it's an important thing when you're when you're like playing slow uh, on purpose that you have good clock management skills because you need to be able to switch modes when things are are obviously going too slow for how far into the round you are. Um, another big thing uh, for me is a chance to overthink plays. Uh, I will 
I will see a play and then like go many steps down the road of this this one play and get to an eventual like thing where I've I've almost lost what the original play was, you know what I mean? And it's one of those things where I start to do things out of order because of it or or it's like I'll I'll have this play where I'm like, okay, I want to enchant my guy and then swing in and then I'll target these guys with this activated ability and do all this. And I'm just like thinking of all these different things that could happen. He's like, oh, but he could have this. But if he has this, then I have this for him. Okay. And then I'll just attack. And I'm like, wait, step one was enchant my guy. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it's like, if I just, if I sped it up a bit, if I sped it up a bit, didn't think too much about the play, like thinking like 20 steps ahead. I know that's a good thing, but if it takes too long, I can forget what I started with and then end up making huge mistakes. I do that. That's probably the biggest thing I do with my slow when I'm playing slow. My biggest mistake is is when I overthink my plays. Yeah, I've definitely I've definitely witnessed that in you over the years, where you can and you've explained this to me. Like we've been on a call and you've explained numerous steps down the line and then clicked right. Into the attack. <laughs> I've, I've witnessed this online. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I do it. And, that, and last, I think we we. We'll, one of the things we wanted to bring up was that, you know, like you playing slowly gives your opponent time to kind of get an idea of what's in your hand. So if you're playing too slowly where you're going through, uh, like all the possibilities and there might be, there's a limited set of possibilities in magic and based on what you're playing, your opponent can determine exactly what you're going to do as well. And if you choose not to do it, then they know what's in your hand. So uh, I, it's totally, you got to, you can't go too slow if you're going to give away too much information, or you might as well just play your card. Right. The I, biggest one is definitely Counterspell, and since this format does have, oh, like, yeah. uh, well, only one, well, I shouldn't say only one good common Counterspell, but it's got some Counterspells. Before you pass your turn to your opponent, if you're going to pass with Counterspells up or something like that, you should hopefully have a pretty good sense about what you're going to counter and what you're not going to counter. Totally. So, I mean, if you, yeah, you if you actually have the counter spell and you want to act like you don't, and you think there's a chance that you won't actually counter the spell they cast, start to rule out the ones that you're just not going to counter and know the ones that you will. And that, of course, takes no in the format, but it gives you a chance to mimic the fact, or mimic, to uh, mask the fact that you have a counter spell. Of course, you know, pausing when you don't have a counter spell is also good, too, if you're a good actor, but... Yeah, and I mean this that's when it comes down to like slow versus fast. Like how how do you want to play this? If you're playing it slow, um if you're playing with counters, pause on every single spell. I mean, it doesn't have to be forever, but pause a good couple seconds before you say, "Okay." So that even if you if you have it or if you don't, like no matter what, always pause and then your slow play is not as big of a tell. Right. Yeah. If you're playing a mixed game where it's like I'm playing fast, but I have counters and I'm not thinking ahead, so when they cast a spell, I have to think about it. I'm like, oh, um, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like now things are going in a different direction. Like, yeah. Unless, yeah. Definitely a basic thing. Online, just a quick online aside. uh, When you f6 and when you don't f6 can be uh, a really good way to. You know, if you can't really act very well in person, you know, bluff the fact that you may have or don't have the counterspell. 
Online, you can control the speed by which you pass the turns. We both have our poker face, but someone gets to dictate speed. And the other person, you know, may actually look into that, try and infer what cards you may have from the speed of your play. But the biggest one is, like, just the clear F6. Like, their upkeep comes up, you're f 6 some guy clicks through some phases and sees that there's, you know, no reaction that's going on. That can be a pretty nasty tell. And then when you pass the next turn, you actually have drawn the counterspell. And now you're not F6. Of or, course, if you're a master, you F6 at the beginning of their turn. Once it hits combat, you click F3. F3 and cancel it. And yep. then just destroy them <laughs> <laughs> with all of your combat tricks. Yeah. Sweet. But you have to be real quick on the keyboard for that one. <laughs> um anyway uh but yeah that i mean this is a, this is a good point because like you the the information your opponent gets from your behavior is is really powerful in magic um and that is a big uh it's a big pro for playing fast is the faster you play the the less information you're going to give your opponent Pretty much always. Mm-hmm. Um, you, the slower you play, yeah, you're you're gonna get some good. They, they could get some good morsels out of there. I, like I have a good anecdote. Um, we both know our friend Paul. Uh, none of you do, or unless you are Russell or John or Greg or something <laughs> who's listening. But uh, one time, I, I think it was M11. Actually, was that when they reprinted Lightning Bolt? I think so. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and. I, I, this is when Paul is just getting back into the game, and he uh, he plays a mountain turn one, passes the turn. I uh, play my second land and play some some card and, pa- and pass. You know, we're playing fast. Like we he started at by you know mountain go, and I'm like land guy go, and Paul goes okay, and then he picks up his card. He take he took like. It was not necessarily a slow play, but it, but he turned from fast to kind of a slow thing, and I immediately just said, "I know that there's a lightning bolt in your hand." Like I, I just told him right because you know, I'm trying to give him like some some help since he was just getting back into the game, just being like, "Paul, you you just totally told me what's in your hand," and he's like, "Oh damn, all right." <laughs> So it's it's one of those things where a big a swing in the way you're playing, like from slow to fast or fast to slow, that, that's a big tell as well. Which is a a good re- I mean, that's a pro for slow playing in general because you can get to a point where you're fast playing where you have to slow down because you have things to consider. Versus when you're slow playing, you always have the time to consider. If you're forcing a slow play. Exactly. If you're dictating that speed. Yeah. I mean, if you're fast playing, you really have to be thinking ahead. Like, if you want to, if you want to keep the pace up and not, and not have major tells, like, you gotta be thinking ahead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, talking about fast and why it's good, um, and we, we've talked about a few, few of the reasons so far, like dictating the speed of the game and, and tilting a, a slower opponent by, by dictating the speed of the game, um, the the thing that like this kind of goes back to the overthinking plays thing, but um, it, the first instinct you have in and this is true about a lot of things, 
but it's often the the correct answer, you know, the the right thing to do. You'll see, you know, a, a like an obvious good play, and then if you spend a bunch of extra time thinking about the board and stuff, you can overthink it and m make a, the wrong play because you know you've thought too much about it and you've gotten off this first play you saw. But chances are, like that's probably the right answer. It's like taking a multiple choice test. They mm -hmm. they say like the first answer you you think it is 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 like the right answer like 90% of the time or something. Yeah. Yeah. And and often people will not choose it cuz they just think too much about it. It's similar with magic. And um I think depending on the type of person you are, um this can be really important. Uh we bring up Russell a lot um for people who have good <laughs> magical instincts. Oh yeah. Um, and he's, I mean, he, uh, he really is like in, incredibly impressive with that. Every time I've played with him online, uh, I mean, the person I played with the most online is obviously Ryan. He, he he's talk he's talking about all the all of my inadequacies because he's seen me play too much. <laughs> but uh, I've played with Russell a few times, and he's always ahead of me. But, um. And he's always doing things like he's always clicking ahead and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what are you doing, man? And he's like, I'm going to do this and this and this. Like, obviously, like this is the, I'm like, but you could have gone this route. And he's like, yeah, but is it better? And it's like, no, you're right. Your your way was better. And it's like, but, but it's if you're the if you're the type of player that 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 runs off instinct, like playing fast is really good for you because it. Because, like we said, it dictates the speed of the game and gets you, like, into a mode where you have the advantage. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if if you're not like that, if you're really bad with instincts, then fast fast playing may not be for you. <laughs> um, Which hopefully you figured out at this point. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, are there any other reasons you think playing fast is good? Uh, it looks cool. It looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it lets you multitask, you know. Yeah. We play at a pizza parlor. Like, we usually have pizza or, you know, some sort of cheesy bread on one side and a beer <laughs> on the other. Like, the more time that it's in their court, like, the more time you're stuffing your face. And, uh, <laughs> and drinking your giant beers. <laughs> yeah, drinking your way into fast play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be fast play whether you like it or not. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, so some cons about playing fast. Uh, the the biggest one we've talked about already. Slop, like, being sloppy, missing things, mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, just being a bad player. <laughs> Doing the wrong thing. That's very easy to do when you're playing fast. Yeah. And uh, like I said at the beginning of this, a lot of people feel like, Playing fast is like the good way to play. Like that's that's how like the pros are gonna play it. You know, it's totally not true. Go go watch some pros videos. Like some some of them take forever on their turns. It's they don't want to make mistakes, and it's important. Um, so if if you feel like you're getting sloppy, slow it down. Like slow it down, and mm -hmm. it really will help. Maybe maybe count to ten, do some breathing exercises. But uh, just go ahead. Naming your 
just name what uh, phases you're in. That'll slow you down for sure. If you go, if you start saying I'm, I'm going from my upkeep to draw phase to, you know, like that's going to slow you down and it's going to keep you actually on top of what you should be doing. Totally. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a great tip for, for playing faster or slower, uh, to, to say pretty much every single thing that is happening in a game of magic, kind of like magic online does for you. Also can tilt your opponent. Like you don't even fucking know, (laughs) (laughs) especially if you have some of the more annoying voices that you encounter in magic. Right. And if you really want to get tricksy about it, you can start, you can say everything except for the things you don't want your opponents to remember. (laughs) So you go untap, upkeep, draw, main phase one, and then you'll just be like, all right, attacking with these two. <laughs> My and, cards are sideways. And, you didn't block. <laughs> yeah, and, instead of saying, like, <laughs> declare, get, attack. declare attacks and letting them tap your guys, you just you just tap them and say, I'm attacking with these two. And then they'll move into blocks and be like, oh, wait, I have this master decoy. Ah, damn it. Like, that can happen. Anyway, this is getting a little tricksy. That's not really the point of this conversation. But, uh, but yeah, it's a great tip for slowing it down. Say everything you're doing. And... I even, I mean, I rarely do this, but I love to do it, and it really tilts people, especially strangers, <laughs> is to actually create the stack, like like Magic Online does. <laughs> Don't I, touch my stuff, Jeff. <laughs> I will do this sometimes where where I will be like, all right, like this on the stack, and I'll put it to the side of the game, and then... And then I'll like do another thing. I'll say this on the stack, and I'll put like a counter on my card. To it. it's like <laughs> it's it's mostly to tilt people because I'm a dick sometimes. I feel like messing with people, but it really does work, and it helps a lot. It visualizes things. Um, I've done it for new players actually because it's really helpful to visualize the stack when you when yeah. you're new. But yeah, it'll really slow down the, the the course of play and tilt those fast players like nothing else. Uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, the the uh, another thing that's bad about fast play is um, you can if you're playing in a tournament with actual like you know important tournament like a Grand Prix or something. You you can accrue some uh, some infractions by playing too fast because you'll you'll make actual functional errors instead of instead of like play mistakes but actual incorrect errors where your opponent calls a judge and they're like he tried to do this and that's not allowed. Yeah, accidentally picked up the extra card is of course the worst one. And yeah, and that's a, a game. lot of us got to see that GP Oakland right top eight guy lost. Yeah, it's a game loss. I don't know if it was game two or if it was game three, but it was still the match. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got a game loss. Drew an extra card off a mole, right? Yep. Old to six and still took seven or something like that. Caught it right away. Didn't try to, you know, pass it off. Not like you could really do that on camera, but yeah, you know, guy was just not slowing himself down. Apparently. Yeah, it's got a big. A little it's caught a up big, in the yeah. moment, recognizing your uh, recognizing your emotions, not just like your conscious decision to play fast or slow, but recognizing the emotions that dictate these things, especially right. fast play. And actually, very important. That's a great point because. If you are like, like unintentionally playing a certain speed, it and you notice it, you notice, oh, like I'm playing faster than normal, or I'm playing slower than normal. 
that's probably a good sign that you want to be speeding up or slowing down, changing it. Because when you are unintentionally doing that, it's probably because you're getting tilted or, or something along those lines. Like, and you need to get basically take, take the driver's seat back and get back to your comfort level because it's really, really important for you to, for people to be playing optimally, whether you're a fast or a slow player, like you have to be comfortable. And if you're not, you're going to make the mistakes. Even if you're the slowest player and you're thinking over everything or you're playing slow, but not a slow player, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, this isn't an emotional game. Yeah, you know? exactly. Don't let them dictate anything you do. Right. So um, what are some other tips on, since we started talking about tips on playing slow, like like what are some other things, like if you do notice yourself playing too fast, like because you're getting tilted, what should you do besides calling out everything you do, calling out all the phases? Anybody? Uh, you can... You can go ahead and do. I mean, there's there's all kinds of different things you can actually do. The combat math, if you've got a, especially if you've got like a notepad or something, you could even write it all out. That that helps you. Um, but making sure that you get through each thing to the end is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that's a big thing. Like, not not just looking at the board and and like evaluating it by looking at it as a whole. Like, evaluate it to a mathematical degree. Like, understand every single nuance of what's happening on the board. Like, how much, like, what the creatures you that would die, the damage you would deal if you attacked with everything, if you attacked with three things, if you attacked with two things. Like, do all of that math. That'll slow you way down, and it'll give you way more information and uh, help you, definitely help you out in terms of making the right play. Um, a big thing on playing slow is to basically read your opponent, uh, like either their, you know, everything they're doing with their body language or their facial expressions, but also like kind of playing their turn for them. You know what I mean? Uh, Have you ever done this where you'll see their board and think about what you would do in their situation and make all the plays that you would expect them to make. And it, it'll it get you more engaged in the game and it'll make you think more and slow you down a bit because a big problem with fast play is that if you're not paying attention or if you're not thinking in your opponent's shoes, like you can really walk into things that have, may have been super obvious. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Yeah. Um. So tips on playing fast. Uh, we uh, Greg, Greg wrote a little on these show notes. He mentioned uh, that that uh, we had an entire episode about sequencing plays, which is about thinking ahead, kind of, and uh, doing things in the right order. You know, um, it's episode seventy-four for all of you who haven't listened to it. It's uh, one of our favorite episodes. We we really liked that one, so we think it's a good one. Uh, we we have a lot of good things to say, so check that out. Um, but yeah, thinking ahead, super super important to speed up your play. Like on your opponent's turn, doing everything already. That, like planning everything that you have that you could do on your next turn, on your opponent's turn. 
Like, you're going to have one more piece of information, which is the next card, um, but it's less, it's all the less that you really need to do while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, guys? Nope. One thing I use a lot is, or have been using, is uh, putting markers of some kind on my cards to indicate, like, to stop me from doing things. So, like, upkeep, oh, yeah. That's... put a di- dice on top of the library Absolutely. so that I can, I don't have to, like, think too hard about each step. Like, I have, like, visual cues that tell me, I, oh, at this step, I had something I had to do. So, like, you, you can, you can set yourself up pretty well. Uh, just by just by putting markers out that like are visual cues, it could be and hopefully it's during your opponent's turn that you're doing this uh, that will set you up for your turn. You can just kind of blow through it. Totally, yeah. I mean that's that's pretty big for fast play. Like, yeah, because nobody's perfect and missing a trigger can be game ending. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> Quick question on that: Who yeah. is not paid for a pact because they forgot? Anybody? <laughs> Russell is not here. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, he Julian also the, didn't have a trigger. The best thing is that he actually got somebody did that against him at Vegas, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like the guy who like we always make fun of for that actually got a game win out of that. It, it was the same pact. It was slaughter pact. Yeah, it was slaughter pact. Yeah. And Russell's like, I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you can't do that. <laughs> uh, there's balance in the world. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so another another great uh, tip on playing fast. If you if you really want to increase the speed of your game, um, you need to develop like these like instinctual kind of muscle memory type skills um, that are based on kind of rules of thumb, like. Say, if you're playing a deck or... I mean, because these exist now, it might be smart, depending on the type of magic you play, to, to do this every time. But but we have miracles now, and you can really screw up by uh, by just drawing a card into your hand with miracles. And so there's the thing called the miracle draw, which I learned, which is I'll, I'll pick up the card and... You know, I'll what I'll what I do is I tap it on the top of my deck before I put it in my hand, and that gives me a second to look at the card before I put it in my hand, and that's an important instinctual thing that I do. I stop doing it because I only play limited and I'm never playing that set again. <laughs> but uh, maybe I should start again because I think we have some miracles in the cube. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, there's those things like that, or um, like having like a a default mode for uh for for the game like you by default are going to cast your spells in your first main phase not your second main phase because or wait other way around <laughs> sorry about that tack first giving your opponent less information unless there's a card that wants to be cast in the first main phase like an aura or something of that nature but uh but developing these these quick things that you almost don't even think about that it, it will speed up your game immensely. I mean that like you pretty much if you want to play fast you have to develop these skills. And uh like a big one for me is that I always start my turn at the end of my opponent's turn as in they say they're done. I start like my the first phase of my turn essentially is my opponent's end of turn step. 
Because if you don't think of it that way, you're playing too fast, you'll just move right into your turn and realize, ah, shit, I wanted to do something at the end of my opponent's turn. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you think of it as another phase of your turn, like how, and then it, you don't, you don't miss that. Like, it's just these important things that you really have to develop that you don't make the play mistakes that fast play can lead to is you have these, like, I don't know, these kind of catch-alls where Hmm. you'll, you won't lose as much, you know, possible value or whatever, make as big, many big mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed with everything you've said. (laughs) All right. Um, so, uh, yes, I think closing this out, um, we've mentioned it briefly. Uh, speed of play online is completely different. Jason was talking about it. Um, it's it has nothing like you're not you're never gonna dictate the speed of the game ever. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible. So playing fast is almost always bad, except when it's good, which is wait when... wait, wait hey I just disagreed with you. <laughs> nice spoke way too soon. All right. oh, please please I'm interrupting your thought. But I was saying it's almost always bad except when it's good, which is when you have to manage your clock. Yeah, and would they have to manage theirs? I mean, it's not our time, right? As you said earlier, it's it's not our fifty minutes or hour. It's our it's each individual's twenty five. Yeah, minutes. it's my twenty five minutes and your. Yeah, minutes. yeah. So someone that's naturally a slower player, it gets you know you are put under the lens of that online chess clock. It will it will find out if it's actually you that's a slow player. If you, yeah, if you were listening and didn't know how to answer that initial question that Jeff put to us, are you a fast or are you a slow player and which way do you lean on that? You'll find out playing online very quickly. Yeah. Just look at which, whose clock. Or slowly. Yeah. <laughs> or and over it, the course of a 25-minute 01 as loss. As long as you don't have a very lag-ridden computer. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But um, What's up with that, Jason? You're, uh, you're rich as balls. <laughs> Why don't you get uh, yourself? Yeah, I should get a new computer. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a work computer. I just don't want to put MTGO on it. He's rich so. until he pays his rent. Because San Francisco is expensive, but if anyone anyone was sitting where I'm sitting and seeing the sunset I just saw, uh, then you'd be willing to pay it too. (laughs) Man, fuck your sunsets, man. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, yeah. So it's all about um, the second the clock goes to zero online, you you lose. It's game over. So it's a very different thing. Speed of play is a very different thing. You want, truthfully. If if I could end each of my rounds with like three minutes on the clock, that'd be perfect, because I'd still have a buffer to where I, you know, didn't lose because of my clock. But I know that I spent 22 minutes thinking about magic. I probably thought more about my plays than my opponents did, and probably had more chance to play correctly. Mm-hmm. But we did mention like overthinking things, and and I do tend to do that. Um, but it's it's one of those things where uh, you'll often see slow players will be forced to play fast um, because they end up with five minutes for game three, and then, yeah. and they're like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck, and that's when you get free wins or you lose because you're the guy who has five minutes on their clock. Yeah, because you control players battling it out, yeah. stalled boards in various formats. Right. And all of a sudden, yeah, it's 1-1, and then it becomes not so much a game as who's going to win. 
as who's not going to lose to time. You start to like board out cards that would actually let you win for more defensive cards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The uh, <laughs> where you just start playing a completely different game of Magic. Totally. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess the tip that I have is it's a tip and a danger. Um, there are there's the F6 key we've mentioned. Uh, oh yeah. It's <sighs> it's a big danger. But but a big help in playing fast, like you say, you can save a lot of seconds with that with that bad boy. But uh, yeah, F six means you you aren't doing anything the rest of the turn, so be wary. Uh, I yeah, only use you get it. The block, but... I only use it if I like literally have nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I won't even then because maybe I'm playing a blue deck and it's just like if I play a blue deck, I don't touch F six ever. I will never touch that key. Because I do not like to give up free information. Um, and every second I have to push a button costs me two. So, <laughs> so I press F6, F6 is all the time. Very important for you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a very dangerous key. And I use F2 as well, which is just the OK button. Um, instead of using my mouse to click OK, I, I click F2. Uh, it's also a danger, though, because you actually get in this mode where like you're used to just clicking F2 a few times in the beginning of your turn or whatever, and you'll just skip right over a phase because you're just pressing F2 too many times. Um, and I'll when I'm getting like kind of tilted online, I'll just keep my hands off the keyboard and only use my mouse because I'll I'll really F some things up. No <laughs> pun intended. Uh, <laughs> oh, hard to get much better than that. <laughs> That sounds like a finisher. Wow. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, really appreciate you guys coming on with Greg out and such. Uh, enjoyed it. Hope you guys did too. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, definitely nice to just talk about these sort of basics every once and again, the uh, non-strategy related aspects of the game. Yeah. I'd love to touch on like a little bit more into some of the aspects we started to cover tonight about maybe some of the emotions that come into the games, how the, like the social dynamic that comes with sitting across from a player. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's definitely, definitely a lot to be said about that. And a lot of it's going to be very subjective. So I think it would be really interesting to hear everyone's opinion on this. And are I'm we, sure are we going to start every- telling people to stop wearing deodorant and all these kind of things? <laughs> really opponent? Is that the direction this podcast is going? <laughs> oh God, I hope not. Please, Ryan, don't stop wearing deodorant. Should I start? <laughs> That's probably the first step. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> uh, but um, the, yeah, I mean, that that could be a whole topic on its own, the whole kind of social aspect. And we, we talked a lot about it, but there's, there's definitely more to it. Um, a big thing that I'd like to say at the end of this, we talked about playing slow, playing fast, tilting people, things like that. Um, please only take these into consideration with the, with talking about the social aspects of tilting players when you're playing for like real stakes, when you're playing for fun, (laughs) just for no, for nothing, uh, tilting your opponent is, should not be a goal of yours. Cause that's, you're just the dick that nobody wants to play with then. Um, and uh, there are some people that, that play so much competitive magic that by the time they get down to their you know super non-competitive thing, they still play like a competitive player and they try to get 
the value out of those types of things, and everyone hates them, so don't be that guy. But uh, if you're not there to have fun, you're there to crush some friggin' wizards, make people go home crying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then tilt the <laughs> hell out of those MFers. That's my next GP plan. <laughs> just just piss off every opponent you have. Um, anyway. Plow under, eternal witness, plow under. Just, just piss them <laughs> off. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, that's, God. That's, that's like Blinding Beam, Eternal Witness, Blinding Beam. Oh. Oh, yeah. Did that so many times in Vegas. Oh, man. I'm still pissed at myself. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, thank you, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com is our email. Uh, this show gets posted at eastwestdraftcast.com. That's the first place it gets posted. It eventually goes up on MTG Cast, uh, which has actually just taken up new management uh, and is supposed to be more. Shows should be being posted more on time now, uh, I, I guess, uh, especially because once everything's in place, uh, we will be in charge of posting our own shows to the website, meaning that it'll probably go up at the same time as we put it up on our website. So, hooray! Uh, and yeah, MTG cast is be- going to become better that they say. And I, I hope that is true and uh, I support them and whatever they do. Uh, lastly, you can talk to us on Twitter. I am at Jeff EWDC. I rarely say anything on there. I read things, but I don't say much. Greg, on the other hand, is at EW Draftcast, and he says a whole lot. I doubt either of you are talking magic on Twitter right no what's a twitter yeah um but uh yeah you can catch us on there you can email us send us something we'd love to hear from you uh and that's that's about it you guys have any final things to say maybe uh i don't know something uh some you that's been that's been you've been dying to say on a public forum in any form uh, uh nothing really the magic <laughs> Wow. All right. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Draftcast out. Oh,